0: Well, hey, everybody. Good to see all of you, except maybe that one. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here this holiday weekend. Um, a couple of things I want to just um, mention before I get rolling here. Um, one of the things that we try to do as a church is to take things like art seriously. And the reason why we take art seriously is because art speaks to us emotionally. And uh, a lot of that artwork happens kind of behind the scenes. Uh, happens digitally and, and uh, it happens in music and, and even you know kind of in preaching. I'm, I try to think in terms of you know an artistic way of doing stuff. But um, this Christmas season, we, we, we try to emphasize it just a little bit more. And so if you remember, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had our kids do their emoji Christmas. And I didn't get a chance to say this last week, but wasn't it awesome? I mean, it was just really fun to see the kids and... and, and that was fun. And then last week we had the choir. Would you like to see that one again? Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really a lot of fun to, to um, uh, see a lot of people participate in that. And then <clears throat> when you walked in this morning, you may have seen there's a three-panel display. Uh, that's a digital artwork done by our own Chris Silverman. And so if you get a chance to, to say thank you to him, please do so. He happens to be sick today, so <laughs> when you see him later on, say thanks for that. Um, but we're, we're, we try to incorporate those kinds of elements to it because I think it makes a difference. But, you know, the other thing that, that happens um, that sometimes you don't necessarily notice is that we also have these Christmas decorations up. And so there's a, a woman, her name is Donna Dixon. She's in the back, and she does this for us every year. It's it's awesome. I The the fun part is, I know she's going to be mad at me for for doing this, but the thing that I really love about it is all I have to do is say, hey, Donna, um, here's kind of what I'm thinking, and then poof. So she's kind of like a genie, and it's really awesome. So anyway, um, this holiday season, if you've noticed some things that are around and and, uh, if it's really kind of touched you, that's the reason why, and and, uh, I'm just grateful for the people who are willing to give of their talent in that way. So, uh, we only have a couple more sleeps till christmas don 't we yeah right it's uh, it 's getting exciting the The excitement is certainly building in my house i 'm sure that it 's happening in yours as well um, there's there's shopping are Are you done yet or you know for for a lot of men there 's only you know one more shopping day till we start shopping and i'm just kidding. My daughter's giving me the eye over there. I'm like, yours is done, honey. It's okay. So, <laughs> the uh, uh, the shopping season is is slowly coming to an end. Um, I talked to somebody earlier today, so they were going to do some shopping this afternoon. I advised them to drive a tank and to wear body armor when they go out because I think they're going to need that. Uh, at least if it's anything like if it's anything like the parking lots that I saw, you know, earlier this week. It's been a little crazy. The other thing that I really like is the well, like I said, the decoration and the lights, and there's something about that Thanksgiving time of year when when it's warm enough here in Oklahoma, you can actually get out and you can put lights up, and and I've got a couple of neighbors who kind of go all out. Maybe you've got neighborhoods like that too, or maybe you go all out. I don't know. Um, uh, I have a, a neighbor down the street who likes to do the synchronized thing, so every time I drive in from from wherever it is that I'm going because it gets dark at like 5 o'clock now, right? And it's like Vegas, you know, in my own, in my own not that I've ever been there, but that's kind of how I imagine it would be. And uh, I like the decorations. The problem that I have is that is when, and you've heard me complain about this before, but I walk into Lowe's and the half the aisle is Halloween decorations and the other half is Santa Claus and reindeer. And, and I'm like, I don't know which way to look. It's a little, little odd. October's a little early, but I really do like when the decorations start coming out at uh, Thanksgiving. I have a neighbor of ours who put up their Christmas tree about two weeks before Thanksgiving. That's a little early. I'm just going to say, some people are like, what are you talking about? I do it first of November. (laughs) No, it's all right. It's fine. Uh, However you choose to do it. But it starts building that excitement up, and that's what's really cool. The other thing that I keep thinking about that I just love this time of year is the food. Can we just be honest about that? I just really like it an awful lot, especially Christmas cookies. Do you have a favorite? everybody kind of has a favorite Christmas cookie. There's one kind of cookie. I think it's German, and I wish I could remember what it was, but when you write the name of the cookie down, it's like four inches long because it's German, right? And (laughs) I had one one time, and and it... (laughs) It looks great on the plate. It's beautiful when you look at a plate full of these kinds of cookies. And when you bite into it, it's like sugar encrusted cardboard. And and I remember eating one of these one time and somebody saying, oh yeah, that, that recipe's been in my family for generations. I'm like, you sure the cookie's not been in your cupboard for generations? Because, <laughs> wow, that's... <laughs> it's harsh. It is a little harsh, isn't it? But not as harsh as it was on my teeth. I'm just gonna say it was just one of those things. And and I yeah, I, I I like I like that. And and I think from about Thanksgiving to New Year, it really is the season of comfort food, right? And it's like the heavier and it's just awesome. Blood, plenty of calories and whatnot, and you know, it's 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 just a really good time of year, especially if you're a foodie. And of course then at church we have we have Advent um, here. And in fact, uh, we've had these Advent candles going on now for, for the last uh, four weeks. And when I was a kid growing up, um, the church that I attended was what we would call High Church. And so there was a lot of these kinds of, of symbols. And I always thought that it was really helpful because it helps us mark time. It helps us to actually wait. And let's be honest, as human beings, we're not very good at waiting, are we? None of us really are. We're kind of impatient. I know I'm constantly doing this. You know, is it working kind of a thing and tapping. I'm just just not a very patient person. And it builds and it builds, and there's this line in one of the Christmas carols that I really love. And mom and dad can hardly wait till school starts again. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Problem is I homeschool, so, you know, Christmas Day is kind of like you know Tuesday in our house or Thursday or whatever. It's like every other day, and I think what happens then at Christmas time, all of that buildup just kind of explodes, doesn't it? And gets all excited. Uh, whether it's Christmas morning or if you know some of you unenlightened people actually do your presents on Christmas Eve. Eh, no, I'm just kidding. You know if you do it on Christmas Eve, it's fine. You're going to heaven too. That's okay. I'm just teasing. But we, we, we get this anticipation, and we try to build, and we try to build, and, and uh, do I have slides by chance? What's that? Oh, there we go. Watch this. Like how the dog checks it out. Like, are you okay? <laughs> sure. Uh, my favorite, though, in the whole thing, is I'm so happy. Right? <laughs> a couple of. I it a no, it wasn't actually. I was an only child. I was like the first one. You know, <clears throat> you know, paper flying all over the place. And anyway, I, uh, <laughs> a few years ago, uh, I did this didn 't I did a, I made a strategic decision, and I bought my wife for Christmas a couple of kittens yeah. be nice <laughs> so um, my my wife is a fan of of cats, and so are my kids and so I made this decision to 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 get them kittens because we had a, a geriatric cat who was not long for the world, and so we thought, you know, kittens would be a good idea, and <clears throat> so we, so I got these two kittens, uh, they were brothers, uh, their mother was this beautiful little tortie, but apparently the father was a mountain lion, because I have two 15 pound cats in my house um, right now, and uh, they're, they're great cats, and you know, kind of a thing, but when, when we, when I brought them out for everybody, <clears throat> there was the silent scream, you know, that kind of thing. Ah, sort of. And, and, and what I found out later was they didn't want to scare the kittens. <laughs> they were so excited that they actually have to go to the other room to freak out and get all excited. And so it was it was quite funny. I'm so happy. <laughs> Advent is this season of waiting. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. We anticipate the coming of Jesus for four weeks. And, of course, we mark time with candles, and there's other ways that we do it. Um, in our house, we've, uh, the girls have um, an advent calendar. Maybe you have one of those, too, where there's either treats inside, or maybe it's, you know, something that they do, some kind of activity every single day. And the thing to remember though, as we go through waiting, uh, I was, was thinking about this because I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, um, my eight-year-old uh, Eliana who was sitting with me, she says, Dad, how, how many more days before Christmas? And I don't remember, I was like four or five days, and I said four days. And I kid you not, you, you, know, you know the image of wind going out of the sails? Okay, she goes like this. <laughs> like, did you like lose all the bones in your body all of a sudden? She goes, "That's so long, you know. It's, yeah, right? It's like kind of, and I, I just, I understand that kind of waiting, but here's, here's the thing that I'm, I just, ancient Israel did not have a prophet for over 300 years. And you think waiting four weeks is a long time, right? Something like three, 400 years, there's a prophet in in fact when you when you when you look at the bible the way it's constructed the last book of the old testament between that last book and the new testament is something like 3 to 400 years because there's a prophet in israel and then there's no prophet And it's just an, an interesting sort of thing to think your way through because it's like when there's no prophet in israel god is silent not entirely but as as an ancient Hebrew would understand God, God is silent. And then one day, something happens. There's a priest. His name is Zechariah. And Zechariah was working in the Jewish temple. And as he was working in the temple, he had a specific task. and He was doing the task, minding his own business, when an angel shows up. Let me read part of this for you. The angel of the Lord appeared to to him, this is Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. This is where Zechariah was serving. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear, which, by the way, is a very common um, response when a divine being shows up. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Boy, there's something you want to hear about your kids, right? It's interesting, there's a couple of phrases in here that really strike me. First of all, he's filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. Wow, that's cool. I wonder what that was like. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Now, here's something that's very interesting to me. When we talk about the word um, prophecy, we tend to think in terms of, of predicting the future, right? Uh, We tend to think in terms of um, a prophet as one who actually does that. But the biblical understanding of prophet is just a little bit different. We've got to understand what the prophet's role was in ancient Israel. The prophet was the voice of God, and his job, or her job as the case may be, was to call people back to the relationship they had with God. So there's this constant... Um, this is your covenant, this is the relationship, this is the agreements you made with God. Come back, come back, come back. And we see this over and over and over and over again in the Scriptures. Now, um, this idea of prophecy in the future is, makes for really great fantasy movies and really great fantasy novels, but the biblical understanding of prophecy is a little more robust than that. If God is going to do something in the future, you need to understand it's God doing it in the future. It's not just something that's happening, but it's something that God will do in the future. And we see this in prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. The central component of any biblical prophecy is God and his activity. Does that make sense? So the fact that he will bring many of the people of Israel back to the Lord their God is the job description of a true Old Testament prophet. That's a big deal because now God is no longer silent. Three to four hundred years, somewhere in that timeline. And now this angel, this divine being is saying, hey, by the way, you're going to be the parent of one of these kinds of prophets. Does this make sense? Prophecy is one of those really interesting things where even today, um, certain religious traditions uh, will use the term Um, I'm just going to be honest, I don't necessarily want the title of prophet on my business card. Because if you see how the prophets of old were actually treated, and even how John the Baptist himself was treated, I'm not real excited about signing up for that role, right? I don't want to interview for that job. Largely because he's calling people back to God, away from whatever power structure or whatever they're involved in. Politics aren't going to save you. Your money's not going to save you. There's a relationship you have with God. That is your salvation, is what the prophet says over and over again. I think it's a helpful reminder. That's the job description. And even, he even likens him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Have you ever read the stories of Elijah? Holy smokes. I mean, that dude moved in power. I mean, serious kinds of power. He's, he's having a major showdown with a large group of the prophets of Baal. There's like 200 of them. He's just one, and, and he's taunting him and teasing them, and nothing's happening, and he just prays, and all of a sudden, bam, God shows up and burns everything up, and that's power. But he's calling people back to the God of the, of the covenant, back to the God of Israel. So we see this over and over again. And that's the kind of language that surrounds this man named John the Baptist. And, and I'll tell you, John, is a, he's one bad dude. I, he's really powerful when you read and do a quick character study of him. And, and I, someday I'm going to do one because I think it's fascinating to, to really see how John interacts with, with his cousin, Jesus. Now, of course, we know <clears throat> that this is not the only time that the angel shows up to, to somebody in this little kind of backwater town in, in Galilee, this region in the northern part of Israel, which, by the way, is, is very rural and uh, it's, it's kind of where the rednecks came from. I mean, just, that, there's no other way to describe it. That's kind of, if you weren't in Jerusalem or in the southern part of the country and you were in the northern part, you were a hick. And that's, that was just the reputation. And so Gabriel shows up, and he appears to a, a young girl. Remember, I said maybe 13, 14, maybe 16 years old, named Mary. We read that story every single year. It's a beautiful story, and we'll read it again tomorrow night. But we read it last week, and Gabriel shows up to Mary. And this just struck me today, by the way. It just hit me today as I was driving in. It's interesting that Zechariah has this encounter with the, with the angel of the Lord, um, and the angel says, Hey, by the way, your wife is going to become pregnant and they're a little bit older. And he asks this, this question. He goes, Well, how, how is that going to happen? I mean, she's up there in years. And what does the angel do? The angel kind of gets a little ticked off and strikes him with dumbness. He's not able to speak, right? And yet, Mary asks a very similar question How will this be? Because I'm a virgin. And Gabriel, all of a sudden, is very gentr- gentle with her, and says, it's, it's okay, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and nothing is impossible with God. And you're like, did he feel bad about what he just did to Zechariah, and so he's going to be nicer to the young girl? And, and it struck me as I was driving in, I'm like, no, what happened was, is that you have a young girl with a certain context, a life and you have Zechariah who is a priest in the temple who has learned everything about God since he began serving in the temple. He should know better. Does that make sense? The reason for the punishment per se is because he should have known better that everything is, is possible with God. where the young girl in her context would not necessarily understand that. It's a very interesting thing. And I, it, it kind of puts me back on my heels, and I'm like, oh, okay, what am, what am I missing? <laughs> I don't want to miss anything that God is doing because I, I should know better the things that I learn. So anyway, Gabriel shows up and tells Mary that she's going to have a baby, and, and she says this beautiful thing, you know, may it be to me as you have said. And um, interestingly enough, Mary and Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, are cousins, They're they're related to one another. And so Mary goes and makes a trip to see Elizabeth. And we pick up this story a little bit later. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, because she kind of walked in and said, Hey, cuz. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy that a cool story! I mean, it was just—I've I've probably read that a hundred times. Maybe you have too, but it's just like that's really kind of interesting how that how that happened, and the fact that the author Luke felt like that was a detail that we needed we needed to have. And and I, I just kind of you know wonder when that occurred. Did Elizabeth gasp? Did it catch her breath a little bit? Was <laughs> that? I wonder that. It, it's likely because. Luke gives us the description that the baby leaped and then she says something about it. So obviously something happened where, you know, you have something that just kind of catches your attention or surprises you. you You Just breathe in that little short breath and just hold it for an extra second. What was that? Natural human response, I think. Something hit me about this story. Um... Never really thought about this before. And maybe this is not your issue, and if it's not your issue, praise God. Please pray for the rest of us. But the the, the thing that really hit me was, do I leap for joy when I'm around Jesus? Do I leap for joy when I'm around Jesus? Do I experience joy? When Jesus is present. Do I experience that? I mean, I think it's it's fairly easy for all of us um, when we when we, we hear about something miraculous that Jesus did. And I don't mean just reading it in the Bible, but you know, you've you've had some of you've experienced stories where Jesus has showed up in a big way in your life. And when you're willing to tell that story, all of us kind of go, oh well, we catch our breath. That's amazing. And and yeah, when we experience that kind of kind of joy, that that that's that's true. But but here's the thing. I don't think that this story here is that. The the baby leaped in her womb. I mean, this is not some kind of miraculous sort of thing. These are two cousins getting together for a family reunion. It's, a, it's kind of a, uh, um, an occurrence that is not uncommon. Does that make sense? This is not a miraculous moment. And yet, this thing occurs, and there's this leap of joy because Jesus is present, and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he's born, recognizes that. Two pregnant cousins in the same room. It's kind of an everyday sort of occurrence. And then... <coughs> I'm wondering just to myself, do I even recognize when I'm around Jesus? That's a convicting thought for me. Do I even recognize when I'm around Jesus? Again, this may not be your issue. You might see Jesus all over the place, and then there's people who are like that, you know? They're very happy all the time, I've noticed. That's because when you're around Jesus, there's this, this tendency to experience joy. You know, we've been talking all Advent season, and we were talking about this as a staff. We call it breathe because we want everyone to kind of slow down a little bit, breathe, enjoy the season, breathe in, kind of the season. It smells good. Good food. Pine needles, you know, it smells good. But more importantly, to breathe out and just kind of relax and enjoy the fact that this is a waiting period in the Christmas holiday and not to get lost in the, the hustle and the bustle of shopping and whatnot. But um, you know that you know, one of my commitments to you is to try to be as honest and as transparent as I can about my own discipleship. And I need to confess something that um, this holiday season has been the opposite of what I've been preaching about. It has been an epic challenge to sit and breathe because um, there's just been a lot going on. Now, this may not be your issue, this might not be for you, and if that's the case, yay, good for you, I'm glad. You don't have to experience that. But others, I I suspect, are feeling me, aren't you? Yeah, you're feeling that same kind of stress. And we're juggling responsibilities and events and gift buying and food preparation and, you know, just the list goes on and on and on. I understand that. I noticed this the other day, just in my own thought, even the phrase tidings of comfort and joy has now has kind of the sarcastic tone to it. Well, tidings of comfort and joy to you too, right? I mean, it's <laughs> Grinch-like. Don't know. And this is where I think we can take a cue from the kids in the video. The pure joy of the gift. You know, when we, when we think about Jesus as a gift, as the gift... We gain a sense of, of love from the giver himself, I think. Because if you, if you really think about it, I mean, the, the older I get, maybe you experience this too, I actually find a whole lot more excitement and joy watching my kids and my wife opening up their gifts than when I actually open up a gift myself. I don't know what that is. When did I become that guy? Like I said, I'm an only child. Christmas was about me. Let me tell you, that was awesome. <laughs> But then you get to a point where it's like I can hardly wait because I, I worked on it. And I'm like, oh, man, I, can, I know that they're going to love this and they're going to jump up and down and, I you know, quick, grab the camera. We might win $10,000 based on how they respond, right? <laughs> you know? But I find a lot more joy in that too. And here's the thing. I, do you ever think that, that God may get the same kind of charge when he answers prayer. And Jesus even said said that. You know, how many of you, if your son or your daughter asks you for bread, would give them a stone? You're evil. How much much more would your father, who is perfectly good, would give good gifts? You understand what I'm saying? You think you have joy giving that gift. Imagine God himself saying, here's the gift. Here's myself given for you. I mean, that is God to just light him up, I would think. And, And when we see kids jumping up and down, we realize that that gift has value to them. I'm so happy. I don't even know what the gift was. And I'm happy for the kid, Right? And I just kind of wonder how much value do we... Let me, let me rephrase that. How much value do I... I don't, I don't know about you. I'm only responsible for me. How much value do I place on Jesus? Hmm. And I don't mean that as a condemning thought, by the way. I'm not saying this because I'm wagging my, my finger at all of you. I am thinking about this strictly on my own. How much value do I actually place on, on Jesus and my relationship with Jesus? And, and by the way, can I look into my calendar and maybe see, look, if you want to know what people value, if you want me to know what you value, show me your calendar and show me your checkbook. I'll tell you right now what you value. And when I look at my own, I'm really asking myself that question. And again, I'm not trying to condemn. This is just a convicting thought for me and where I'm at with Jesus. And, and just this kind of food for thought of saying, how much value do I place on it? Do I schedule this? Do I make this a regular part of my life? And, and if that's the case, do, if, if it's not the case, do I really understand how much joy God the Father has when I connect with His Son? Because the Son is the gift. It seems to me that John jumping for joy in Elizabeth's womb is really an indication of the sensitivity that we have, that he had for Jesus, the presence of Jesus. And so maybe we could put it this way, as simply as this can be is that joy comes from presence. The joy that we actually experience comes from the presence of Jesus and being in the presence of Jesus. If we're not joyful, maybe we're missing the presence of God. We're either blind to it, because God is kind of always, is all, always everywhere all the time, right? Or maybe we're not seeking him in Please, understand, this is, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not trying to, oh, you need to do this. I'm, look, when you're pointing, i you got three coming right back at me. And I really, I really feel that way. It's just something. Look, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. How many of you want a little more joy in your life? Really? I mean, I read the same newspapers that you do. I, I see what's going on in the world, and it catches my breath. And I wonder about those kinds of things. And again, this is not a condemning thought, but rather it's just saying, I would like a little more joy. And if joy comes from the presence of God, hmm, maybe I just need to be in the presence of God a little bit more often. To be known by God and to get to know Him. And here's the thing that I've noticed is that when that actually happens and I get filled up a little bit, all of a sudden that starts spilling out onto other people. There's more joy in me, and so, therefore, I have more joy, and other people notice it. And here's the thing about joy. This just kind of dawned on me, and just in this moment, is that when I am joyful, I tend to have a lot more grace for other people. When you wake up cranky in the morning, how much grace do you have for somebody else? A zero. Zero. But when you're filled with joy, when you've been in the presence of Jesus and you experience that kind of joy, all of a sudden you have a little more grace, you have a little more mercy, and you have a little more patience. And <laughs> All of you need more patience, I know that, because you're human beings. And all of us experience this. And other people can experience it too. Now look, there's a number of ways that you can go about doing this. <clears throat> Get into the presence of God. And we've talked about a lot of these before and it kind of had this sort of standard package, I think. And, and there's a reason why these, these ideas keep coming up over and over again because they've worked for some, you know, 2,000, 4,000 years, whatever. The first one is just prayer. And, and please understand, prayer is just talking with God. We're not talking about something that's, you know, a bunch of words or language that nobody speaks anymore with these and thous. No, it's just talking with God. That's what prayer is. But please understand, talking with God is not a one-way street. Those of you who have had conversations with someone where it's only one way, (laughs) how long does that conversation actually last? The length of this conversation has just exceeded my interest in it. When When you're praying, you're also listening. You're learning what the voice of God sounds like. Now, does God speak audibly to me? It's happened like once in my life. I'm just going to be honest. It happened once where I think it was the audible voice of God. Most of the time for me, it's just an impression I get. It's something that's just in my heart where I'm like, you need my journal for me. When I'm writing in my journal, I'll actually go, is this from you or is this that voice in my head I should not pay attention to? It's okay. I'm learning the voice of God. I still am learning that. It takes time to develop that ear to actually hear him. But, but that's a way to get into the presence of God is prayer. The other one is, is Scripture. Now, I think when we talk about getting in the presence of God with Scripture, there is this, this idea um, where we, we're, we're in God's Word and we're reading it. But I think we have to be exceptionally careful when we talk about this idea of getting in the presence of God um, when we're reading the Bible. Now, I want you to hear me on this because I think this is really important. Because I know a lot of people who have read the Bible, I know lots of them. And I know lots of people who can quote the Bible. The problem that I often I find is that some of those people, a lot of those people, have not understood what they have read or they have not absorbed the meaning of that and have begun to live it out in their lives. I'm just going to say that up front, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I am just saying that we have to be very humble about... I'm reading the word of God himself, my finite mind reading something that is infinite. I am going to hold on to that quite loosely and say, okay, God, this is where I'm at right now with this. What are you trying to teach me today here? Where is your presence within the words themselves? What what are you trying to teach? Now, please understand, I believe that the word was written for a group of people a long time in the past, and yet there is still meaning for it today. Does this make sense? And I think that you have to approach it that way. If you don't understand what God was saying to that group of people, then you're going to have a hard time really understanding what God is saying to you today about it. And so we have to hold on to that loosely. And yes, have to dig deep, and yes, we have to study, and all of those things, that's true. But it's about the presence of God in the study. It's not about the study, it's about the author and what he's trying to, he's trying to speak to us. And then finally, I think the, the last one is just meeting with people. And that's not just coming to church. I think that's part of it. I think, you know, we get together and we worship and we sing. And, and Dan does a great job of leading us that way. I feel that way every single Sunday. I'm glad that I get to be here with all of you and, and to do that kind of a thing. But, but also, I think there's something else about being with another group of people and we're all learning what it means to be in the presence of Jesus. And hey, you know what? This thing is happening at work. It's driving me crazy. My co-worker Bob is just driving me nuts. I don't know what to do about it. How am I going to try to be like Jesus in this set of circumstances? Okay, and that's the silly example. What about the example of, hey, I'm being harassed at work. What do I do? A couple of months ago, some of you remember, I preached a message on the Me Too movement, Me Three. If that's... A, something that you're experiencing in the workplace, then church, we need to stand up and say, we are the church. They are not going to be alone. But you can't do that if you're not in the presence of Jesus together. Does this make sense? Because that's where courage comes from. And sometimes when we don't have enough courage to face that junk that's going on in our lives, we need to borrow somebody else's. The only time you do that is when you're in the presence of God together are you feeling me here? I think this is important. So look, the presence of God is where joy comes from. Because you know what, you know, here's the other thing. When I've been with my small group, one of the things that I experience is joy being around them. We laugh a lot. Imagine that. I like that. I like that part. But there's something about being together in the presence of God, and there's that joy that kind of spills over. I need that. That's not just something I like. I need that. I think all of us do to a certain degree. So getting in the presence of God has many different paths, and, and you may have some other ones, and there's some great books out there. If you want to know what they are, let me know, and I'd be happy to provide a decent bibliography for you. But but the thing that I want you to, to do today more than anything else is to encourage you to chase after the presence of God During the holiday season, look, we got a couple of days, okay? But it's interactive. God wants to interact with you. Look, here's the thing the creator and sustainer of the universe wrapped himself in human flesh, came as a baby. Why? So we would understand him. You know how we say the thought counts? Sometimes the gift actually counts. And the gift that was given to us, Christmas time, it's not just the thought, but it's the actual gift so that we would understand the creator of the universe. That we'd have a point of reference, a point of contact for him. That speaks volumes about the love that I think God has for us. So get into the presence of God. That way, see what happens and interact with Him. And, And I think one of the outcomes of that is joy.